Hello, I'm Rena Grobe, and I'm Madhvi Romani, and this is Misinformed, where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So, Madhvi, what did you get obsessed with this week? So I've been thinking a lot about loneliness and isolation this week, because obviously we're in week two of quarantine in Germany, and you can see how it's affecting all of us. People are dodging around each other in the supermarkets and trying not to touch each other and all that kind of stuff. And we're not touching each other when we meet anymore. In London, my mother, she lives alone, but she always has a lot of people passing through her house. It's like Grand Central Station. She's always getting hugs from everyone who comes in and kisses. And, and we're no longer having this kind of physical touch anymore and so I've been wondering about what the effect of that is and will be the longer this goes on because it's been shown that physical touch is really important to human beings physiologically it reduces depression anxiety cardiovascular disease so I'm wondering if we isolate because of this virus what other effects and health effects and psychological effects is this going to cause in the future yeah I mean my grandmother who is 91 who has been in isolation I think for three weeks now and she's been really great about it she's been really understanding and I was talking to my mom yesterday and she doesn't know how much longer she can keep it up because it's gonna take a toll on my grandmother's mental health and I was saying if she dies of corona she dies of depression she has to make a decision about is it better between depression and yeah potentially getting a virus. My grandmother's an incredibly social person and she's always grown up with a lot of people and in her youth she lived with all her family together in one space and they were never never alone, especially in the hard times. They all were sitting on top of each other. So all of a sudden she's a widow. She lives alone. So not that you know she there was a party at her house or whatever, but she, you know, she had her senior groups and she had the family and now nothing. Yeah, I think during this pandemic we've all realized how much first of all we touch our faces yeah (laughs) (laughs) and also how much we normally touch each other even if we live alone or we're not in a relationship because now if you live alone you are looking at one month or longer of not being physically touched and it's being talked about a lot the loneliness epidemic and the word epidemic is interesting because it's also referred to in terms of an illness or a disease Mm -hmm. so loneliness is linked to premature death dementia increased cardiovascular disease it reduces your immunity by 45 percent and is linked to depression Two days ago, I looked after Louie, who's a dog, and when my friend gave him to me, we obviously didn't touch. He just handed over the leash, and Louie got really excited and, like, jumped up and started hugging me. And I ha- really had this moment where I was like, holy shit, this is the first alive being I've touched in nearly three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that it would, that I would have such a reaction, but I was like, wow, I haven't touched anyone and not to say that on a daily basis I went around touching everyone but there are like the little things where you sit close to someone and your arms touch or you pat someone on the shoulder or something so there are beyond hugs and kisses or whatever there are little types of social touches that are completely socially acceptable that you do miss and they are important 
relationships. Yes. I guess. They are important. Tiffany Field, the head of the Touch Institute at the University of Miami's Miller School of Medicine, she did a series of studies and one of her studies, she took one group of elderly participants who received regular conversation filled social visits while the other received the same social visits but they that also included a massage so physical touch and the second group saw emotional and cognitive benefits way over and above the first mm-hmm. but on on the flip side i have been more social in these last 2 weeks so even if i'm not physically touching people i have been in contact with people way more often my best friend who lives in the US, we, you know, we were always talking by a text or whatnot, but you know, when you're working individuals with a time difference, it's very hard to have a lot of face-to-face time. And within the last two weeks, we've just FaceTimed each other and I've just put my phone near my computer screen and we've just worked while we're talking occasionally, but this is something we never did. And so my bond with people has been kind of strengthened. Yesterday, I spent all day on the phone. Yeah, I think it could be a reaction to a lack of kind of touch and a, and the isolation that we're reaching out to people a lot more. I'm also becoming a lot more social, for example. Um, in a lot of the work I'm doing now is more collaborative. This podcast started because of quarantine. Does compensating for not seeing each other by calling each other and like using social media and FaceTime and all these things, like house party, do, do all these things work? I think the way we communicate over video is it's difficult when we're sitting opposite each other and we're reading each other's body language and can see each other's facial movements and things like this it's much easier to read the other person without it being stressful i feel because we do a lot of things instinctively through body language through mirroring all of that Mm. kind of stuff and then when you're on a video call and everyone's all kind of do i talk do i not talk we're not facing each other we don't have that physicality we have to learn how to communicate in new ways or a way that works really well through this kind of medium saying that like this group of friends that i have from my old job we've been FaceTiming more in groups now than we used to see each other on a regular basis because like it's complicated with everyone's schedules and obviously now everyone has time they have time to just talk to one another I find it very overwhelming I don't know if that really relates to loneliness to be honest but it is sort of a because when you're in a group setting you don't all talk at once you have one-on-one conversations within a group or like Mm. three of you whereas this technology you're all only two people can talk at once otherwise it's layered true And then, of course, there's always the argument of whether social media is isolating because um, studies have shown that millennials, even though they're more connected than ever over social media, they feel more loneliness. What do you say as a millennial? As a millennial. (laughs) I think that social media is often the scapegoat for a lot of things. And I don't think that social media is the problem. I think that with new technology, the way that we interact and the way we talk to one another is changing. But it's like, it's the example of the telephone. When the phone was first invented, people thought that it would stop people from visiting, that it would cut people off from one another rather than being a tool to help people connect. Through social media and through the internet and all the things that I have at my disposal, I am able to stay friends and have connections with people that I would have lost. I'm still friends with my kindergarten best friend. I think it's really great that millennials, they feel connected because they grew up with the internet. Yeah. And they always feel like they're connected to a bigger thing. And this leads to a lot of positive traits in this generation. On Twitter right now, Generation X 
is trending because we're the generation that grew up without the internet so we can do without being connected and a lot of us were latchkey kids and we always have like another project on the side that we're working on just to kind of occupy ourselves and we had to occupy ourselves a lot as children. What is interesting here is that the idea of loneliness it was born out of an idea of being kind of disconnected and the rise of secularism because mm. before the word loneliness started appearing in print in the 1800s, the word was oneliness, mm -hmm. which referred to the physical state of being alone, but not the experience of being lonely. You were alone, but you were never lonely because there was always God. And I feel like millennials have never really experienced, maybe when they don't feel connected to the internet, maybe they feel oh my God. lonely. Do you think the internet is our new God? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. There's kind of something to that because I was talking to my friend about the quarantine and he made the comment that he would be totally fine being in quarantine as long as he has internet. Like the second he doesn't have the internet, he couldn't stand it to be in his house for weeks on end. So there's a book called A Biography of Loneliness. It's by Faye Bound Alberti. And it talks a bit about his scientific evolutionary anthropological history of loneliness. Mm -hmm. And the feeling of loneliness is really connected to our physiology. So in this book, she talks about this, this, this theory of John Cassiopo, who said that the feeling of loneliness and the triggering of this fight-or-flight response that loneliness creates in us physiologically is tied to the survival of our species. Because mm -hmm. human beings had to be part of a tribe or connected in a community in order basically not to be eaten by a tiger. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It's, it's a survival mechanism telling you to seek companionship. Exactly. So your friend who feels like he can survive, but only if he's connected to other human beings, that is an evolutionary reaction. Yeah. And if you're lonely, for example, it releases like cortisol, which is like stress hormones. Yeah. It's loneliness can be also linked to like hunger pains. Loneliness yeah. and social rejection light up the same part of the brain that is lit up by physical pain. We're saying that, that like the social context around loneliness has changed, right? We don't live in these societies anymore, so loneliness once had a function. And the paradox of the times we're living in now is that isolation is actually what will ensure the survival of our species. But our physical reactions to isolation and loneliness are still those physical reactions that applied thousands of years ago. And I wonder if in the future, if, if this continues for a longer time, will our evolutionary physiological reactions change and make loneliness or isolation a good thing, Anna? No, but we were, you know, we were discussing this idea that isolation isn't the same as loneliness. Isolation is a physical state of being and loneliness is a mental state of being. It's back to oneliness and loneliness, this like differentiation in the words, because here linguistically this is so important. Yes. Because um, we're saying linguistically loneliness has no opposite, first of all. I mean, the only thing that's missing from this idea that we cannot are not necessarily lonely in isolation doesn't factor in corporeality. Yeah. And I think there are so many subtle things that we're missing. For example, somebody was saying, well, it's hard in isolation that if you're feeling 
anxious, for example, and you're kind of alone with this feeling without any mirror to go out and to like talk to somebody about it or really be with them. And there's so many cues in your face and with mirroring and the regulation of emotions that we're missing as well. And I think our feelings can go unregulated or our anxiety can go unregulated if we don't have that physical proximity Mm -hmm. to another body. Yeah, it's also really important because when you are lonely, you you sort of get caught in a trap. Loneliness breeds loneliness because you stop being able to interpret social cues as well, meaning that you end up self like not self-isolating but making yourself more lonely by not feeling the ability to connect to people Mm -hmm. so after this period of intense isolation and loneliness for a lot of people I wonder the effects that it will have on when we try to re-socialize after because you know if this goes on till April 20th we will have been in over like a month of isolation you're right so it's been shown that if you're lonely you can't read physical cues as well and social interactions are way more stressful and then that makes you stay in more. Around 2014 it was when I was just graduating from college and it's such a bizarre thing to really think about because actually at that time in my life I was in school full-time, I had three roommates, I had close friends, the people that I still to this day consider my best friends. I would see them on a daily basis, they were all, you know, a, a call away, I could have gotten coffee with any of them at any time, and yet I was feeling so intensely lonely. But what ended up happening was that once I started to experience a sort of loneliness, I didn't know how to articulate it to them. So it's communication. It was communication. And that, I think that's why men are more lonely than women. Yeah. One study has shown that there is no gender difference, but I'm pretty much convinced that men do not communicate as well as women and talk about their feelings and bond as closely as women do and therefore feel more lonely and it's a uh, fact that men commit suicide more and then there's this really cute club called the Romeo Club retired old men eating out yeah we'll link to them in the show notes because after men retire they just feel really lonely and they struggle to form social bonds and to join social groups so it's a bunch of old guys kind of going out to to, to eat out together which really helps them Yeah, it's just there's so much shame. Actually, one of the key things about loneliness is shame. Because in a society where we're more interconnected than ever, and obviously we're talking specifically about our own experiences in like the Western world here, where, you know, we interact with so many people daily, we have friends, family, just the shame of being like, I live such a privileged life, and yet I'm feeling this intense sense of loneliness of where's that why why am I feeling this way I have everything and I guess the note has been made that depression and loneliness is not the same thing but I do think that they're incredibly closely linked in the sense of if you know if you are depressed then you don't feel like you can talk about it thus you sort of stagger yourself into a sense of loneliness and if you are incredibly lonely you out of this can develop depression so they're so closely linked and I think maybe that we're starting to get okay with talking about mental health about like depression and stuff but loneliness is a weird one i also think that there's a miss like not a misunderstanding of what loneliness is everyone has been lonely at some point in their life but when you live in a big city like new york there's this thing of like but i'm not alone i don't know if we've really understood 
the word loneliness in what it entails. Because I think that loneliness when you're surrounded by people is worse than loneliness when you're on your own. We've become, as a society, so interconnected, and social is a word we use all the time, and our families, you know, we've gone from living in small communities or small families to, like, bigger and bigger and bigger connections so that we feel more connected to the world or what's happening on the other side of the planet much more as a species, that it does maybe seem absurd to say, well, I'm lonely. Yeah. Because technology and all of our systems has made it possible for us to be connected with everyone else on this planet. And yet, we still feel loneliness. So Denbar said that emotional intimacy decreases 15% every year that you don't see someone face to face. And here we go back to this idea of physicality Mm -hmm. and the body and the importance of these, you know, our corporeal kind of interactions. And maybe it doesn't matter that we can log on to Facebook and chat with somebody on the other side of the world or look at what's happening in Australia on the news because we just need physical connection. Yeah, when I'm talking to my best friend in the States, naturally topics will come up like if he went to a new restaurant or something he saw on TV or places he's going on vacation, whereas... Now that we live in different countries and we don't talk as th- we talk a lot, but we don't talk as thoroughly, you can sort of catch up on people's lives via social media. You can see what they ate or where they're going on vacation. But a lot of social media, I find in this sense, is broadcasting. It's like a radio. There's no interaction to it. So you can see all like what they ate on Instagram and what they're doing, but you're not interacting with it. And like at home, when I spend a lot of time at home, I'm just sitting in the kitchen with my mum or I'm in a kitchen with a bunch of people and there's a lot of cooking going on. There's many, many, many hours. And only when you spend actual space and time can you get past, oh, this is what I ate or this is what's been going on. And then you go into a different level of conversation, which is deeper. And then you spend more time and you sit in that space for even longer and then the conversations become deeper it's a bit Mm. like it's like a friendship or it's like you know you and I sit here and we do a podcast and then eventually the conversation hopefully (laughs) becomes more more in depth and if we were going to go on for hours you know we would hit it even more and that's the difference one is a shallow interaction and the other more space and more time Yeah, I mean, I I understand completely what you're saying, and I think I do agree to a certain extent that, like, you can't replace social interactions with social media, not not in the least bit, but also, I think it's, like, it subsidizes it, because when, when, you know, the the world is becoming more global, we're all traveling, we're all, well, not right now, but (laughs) in theory, we're all spread out all over the world, and so... I mean, isn't that the original thought of social media, that it's supposed to allow us to be connected when we're not together? And the reality of our lives are now is that we're more not together than we are together. So no, like, I've had some surprising and, like, really nice conversations that have blossomed through social media that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Like, Mm. I am an avid bread maker, even before quarantine. And one of my loaves, once something went wrong, I can't remember what happened, And I had posted it in my Instagram story. And then my best friend's friend from high school reached out and was, oh, like, it seems like this and this is what you did wrong. And turns out he's, like, super into bread making. And he's this, uh, he's a drug dealer, (laughs) just trying to say. Like, that's what he does. He's a drug dealer. You know, he delivers weed all through New York City. And he's, 
to like stereotype, but the last person you would expect to be into making bread. And it was such a nice, lovely connection that we had where then we were like having this conversation around bread and I was just, I never would have had this conversation with you. And I'm not saying that that can replace it. I don't know, it lends a different kind of depth, I think, to relationships because it, it allows us to share more and a lot. I don't know, but maybe it allows us to overshare. I have complicated feelings on social media and loneliness, apparently. I think social media does facilitate a different type of connection that normally we would not be able to have. And one of the benefits of the internet is that you feel more confident to discuss things or say things that you might feel shy doing face to face or you might not have the context in which to like discuss bread baking with a drug dealer in a in any real world context. But on the internet, in this space, you can do that. And a lot of people feel like their self-expression is freed up by the internet. So sure, it's, it's complex and there are both sides. Do you think people would be more willing to talk about being lonely from behind a screen? Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> Since we've just provided definitive answers to everything concerning loneliness, we'll wrap it up. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsession with us. Tweet us. I am at Madri Romani. And I'm at Rena underscore Grobe underscore. You will find links to our Instagrams and Twitters in the show notes, as well as all of the articles or studies we have referenced. Until next time, thank you for listening. Goodbye.